Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to The 34. Now to the accusation of inappropriate touching involving former Vice President Joe Biden. A Democratic candidate for political office in Nevada says an endorsement took an invasive turn and that she felt powerless to stop it. Here's ABC's Stephanie Ramos. Tonight, Joe Biden is facing troubling accusations. Nevada Democrat Lucy Flores claims the former vice president inappropriately touched and kissed her head before a rally in 2014. She writes in New York Magazine that she felt powerless to do anything about it. Biden had attended the rally to help boost her campaign for lieutenant governor. Flores goes on to claim that moments before she took the stage, she felt the vice president get close to her from behind, lean in, and quote, inhale her hair. She writes, he proceeded to plant a big slow kiss on the back of my head. My brain couldn't process what was happening. I was embarrassed. I was shocked. I was confused. He made me feel uneasy, gross. This brings us to our newest segment, Joe Biden. You only have one job. <laughs> As vice president, your mission is simple. You show up. You shake a couple of hands, you flash the pearlies, you get home in time for the Mindy Project. That's it! But we've already seen that remorse... <laughs> we've already seen that remorse about lady touching is the one thing Joe Biden will not feel. It's apparently a Senate rite of passage. You're not officially sworn in until Delaware Joe has felt up one female member of your immediately family. <laughs> immediate family. Here's what's so weird about this. Biden is actually very good on women's issues in general. So this week on the podcast, I have Joy Marie Mann from Real Progressives on, and we're going to talk about sexual harassment. Um, you know, obviously this is a prescient topic this week because Joe Biden has found himself um, in this, a bit of hot water because of the Lucy Flores expose. Although I would uh, mention that this is not new. This is stuff that's been discussed. Even I know John Stewart had done a video about this back in 2015. Um, I think if you Google the subject, you'll see um, some journalists recovering it, you know, even eight, nine years ago. So his tendencies to be a little bit gropey feely have always, have always been there. Um, and if you've been paying attention, this is not a shocking expose, but it seems to have caught a lot of folks off guard. Uh, so what are your initial thoughts, Joy, on the situation? Because I'm a little bit appalled by some of the um, reactions I'm seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm mostly appalled by the amount of women who yeah. are just blatantly bullying and harassing um, Lucy, especially. Um, and there are also now there are four women, mm -hmm. and you know they're they're also harassing uh, numbers three and four. All three of them have to be happen to be women of color. Um, which one of my African American friends pointed out. Yeah. I I find that very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um also the second uh accuser worked for Hillary. Right. Um yeah. so <laughs> it kind of 
It blows it, the whole Bernie Sanders thing. You know, I kind of understand thing. why they're... Right, right. We can't pick on her because she worked for the queen. So, yeah, exactly. But I think my, my initial reaction was, oh, my God, someone finally spoke out about it. Yeah. Because, I mean, we there in the progressive you know circle we've been posting about this for years yeah and it's disgusted us for years and it you know take take everything else aside you know that he's just an and a gross person and you know with horrible history and you know his policy and voting record and everything it's all abhorrent mm-hmm. but even all of that aside the the things he's doing on camera to women and children are not acceptable. Yeah. I don't understand why people, especially women, do not comprehend that. Um, right. So my first gut reaction was, holy shit, this woman's brave as hell. Yeah. She's finally speaking out. And then my next reaction was, you know, I went on Twitter and I saw people were saying, well, it's not rape. And stuff like that, and trying to minimize it, and well, Trump did this, and right. you know, trying to say like as if there can be only one person who's egregious and you know makes women uncomfortable, mm-hmm. <laughs> Bill Clinton. But right. it's it's really interesting to see the length of you know what people will go through to defend Democrats. Because we all know damn right well, if you replace Biden with, you know, you take that D away and put an R, yeah. this shit gets turned around entirely. Oh, I agree. They would never, ever excuse this ba- behavior if it was Bernie Sanders or Trump doing it. That's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's two things going on here that I've, I've been observing. And this isn't actually the first occurrence I've observed this. I think the way that the uh, Al Franken situation was handled is quite similar on a certain level. And um, even going back as far as the Anita Hill um, testimony. Professor, do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth to help you, God? I do. Thank you. Professor Hill, please uh, make whatever statement you would wish to make to the committee. Mr. Chair. Excuse me, friend. I instruct the officers, do not let anyone in or out of that door while Professor Hill is making her statement. Mr. Chairman, Senator Thurman, members of the committee, my name is Anita F. Hill, and I am a professor of law at the University of Oklahoma. I was born on a farm in Okmulgee County, Oklahoma in 1956. I am the youngest of 13 children. I had my early education in Okmulgee County. My father, Albert Hill, is a farmer in that area. My mother's name is Irma Hill. She is also a farmer and a housewife. My childhood was one of a lot of hard work and not much money. But it was one of solid family affection as represented by my parents. I was reared in a religious atmosphere 
in the Baptist faith, and I have been a member of the Antioch Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma since 1983. It is a very warm part of my life at the present time. For my undergraduate work, I went to Oklahoma State University and graduated from there in 1977. I am attaching to this statement a copy of my resume for further details of my education. I Thank you. I graduated from the university with academic honors and proceeded to the Yale Law School, where I received my JD degree in 1980. Upon graduation from law school, I became a practicing lawyer with the Washington, D.C. firm of Wald, Harkrader, and Ross. In 1981, I was introduced to now Judge Thomas by a mutual friend. Judge Thomas told me that he was anticipating a political appointment, and he asked if I would be interested in working with him. He was, in fact, appointed as Assistant Secretary of Education for Civil Rights. After he, was, after he had taken that post, he asked if I would become his assistant, and I accepted that position. In my early period there, I had two major projects. The first was an article I wrote for Judge Thomas's signature on the education of minority students. The second was the organization of a seminar on high-risk students, which was abandoned because Judge Thomas transferred to the EEOC, where he became the chairman of that office. During this period at the Department of Education, my working relationship with Judge Thomas was positive. I had a good deal of responsibility and independence. I thought he respected my work and that he trusted my judgment. After approximately three months of working there, he asked me to go out socially with him. What happened next and telling the world about it are the two most difficult things, experiences of my life. It is only after a great deal of agonizing consideration and sleepless number, great number of sleepless nights that I am able to talk of these unpleasant matters to anyone but my close friends. I declined the invitation to go out socially with him and explained to him that I thought it would jeopardize at what at, at the time I considered to be a very good working relationship. I had a normal social life with other men outside of the office. I believed then, as now, that having a social relationship with a person who was supervising my work would be ill-advised. I was very uncomfortable with the idea and told him so. I think it's important thought, to mention Joe Biden was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee at that particular time. So he had a lot of control over how the Anita Hill hearing was handled. And I suffice it to say, he did not handle it well. I mean, there were guys asking Anita Hill questions no. like, are you a, a scorned woman? Uh, do you do you have a martyr complex, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it seems to me that there's two things going on here. The first thing is that Americans tend to view sexual harassment as being sexual in nature, when in reality, it's more about power and power dynamics. Uh, that's the first thing I observe. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the second thing I observe is this sort of unhealthy uh, 
sort of patriarchal viewpoint of sexuality that a lot of American women view themselves through. So it's this whole idea that women are either whores or virgins. Obviously, I'm simplifying a more complex um, psychology, but it seems to me that a lot of women do view their sexuality through through that sort of patriarchal lens instead of, you know, seeing themselves in a healthier light as a sexual being as a woman, per se. So I think these two things, when they're sort of running together, as we're seeing in the political forum, are really toxic. And you see all these... Right. Yeah, and it's like mental gymnastics going on to defend your team when this really shouldn't be politicized at all. I think it's a cultural problem, and I think we shouldn't tolerate it whatsoever. I think it's totally unacceptable if a Republican woman is harassed. I'm not a Republican, I'm a leftist, but why is that okay? I think we have to get to the point where we realize if we're engaging in any sort of team sports, we're just sort of upholding the culture for what it is and not really ever... um, dealing with it or fixing it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think that all of these people being apologists, especially the women, are exacerbating and excusing mm-hmm. um, every single thing that happens like this. Um, they, you know, it's, it's very frustrating to... First of all, the whole Uncle Joe thing just gives me the creeps, yeah, and so always weird. has. It's like, weird. can we stop calling him that? It's gross. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I digress. But <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I think you know, just the the way these you know these women, especially on, I swear they all say resist in their bio. They first do. of all, yeah. I swear they all say it. Oh yeah. Um, and I think they're just resisting accountability. That's that's all that seems to be going on. Mm-hmm. And you know the the women who are attacking Lucy and you know the the other women coming forward, I immediately go look at their profile and if they have Me Too or Women First or you know we believe her anything like that, I ask them, can you please add an asterisk? Yes. <laughs> because it really does matter to them who, like, it's gotten to the point yeah. where, oh, you're you're saying you were uncomfortable by a man in power. Who'd you vote for in 2016? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it's come to. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and you know, now you've got a lot of these folks also trying to say that she's um, doing it for Bernie Sanders, that she's I've, I've even seen some weird Russia hysteria sort of tweets where I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so wrong. Uh, but yeah, this idea that he that this is because Bernie's like you would have to be you would have to have Jon Stewart being prescient in 2015 when he ran his um, segment about his groping, I think it was called the audacity, yeah. the audacity of grope, which is kind of hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so yes. And time magazine and that's right. the other, you know, the other publications, that's right. um, the whole, you know, the Bernie thing, it just breaks my heart because first of all, it's actually incorrect. Lucy, you know, resigned a year ago, That's right. not on good terms. That's right. And she has not spoken with Bernie since. Um, she actually has recently met with Kamala's campaign and gone to a NATO rally. 
she had specifically said these things herself. Right. And she has specifically said she has not endorsed anyone in 2020 as of yet. Right. Um, Bernie's um, campaign manager came out and said, this makes my blood boil. This, I mean, right. people are saying these things as it is fact with no receipts whatsoever. They're accusing man of this disgusting thing when it's he's not even connected to her. Yeah. Um, and then all the while saying, these accusations are destroying a wonderful man. Yeah, um, which is You're wild. actually trying oh to destroy the wonderful man named Bernie, That's who right. has nothing to do with this. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it's just this wild sort of mental gymnastics that these folks are engaging in. And I actually was pretty stunned by some of the responses. I think Alyssa Milano had a terrible take. Where she was, you know... It, oh, she's atrocious. Yeah, what really upset me about that, though, is she has been very uh, very much in the forefront of the Me Too movement. So this was really irresponsible for her uh, on a certain level, I think. And... Um, well, the thing is... The thing, the thing with her, you know, is... I was on to her from the get because she has posts that are like, Bill Clinton, I couldn't love you anymore. You're the greatest. Okay, he's an accused rapist. So, sorry, you're repping the Me Too movement. Yeah, you're a hypocrite. So, this didn't surprise me. But that's all she, you know, she's doing one of the most disturbing things that women are doing. When I met Joe, he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And that doesn't mean because he was okay with you that he's okay with everybody. Yeah, that's sort of a, um, again, we're getting back to those two points of psychology here where women view themselves through this sort of patriarchal lens sexually and that that sexual harassment isn't really about sex. So, and people want to make it about that. Another post I wanted to bring bring up in, in those terms was uh, one of the Krasen, Krasenstein one brothers. Uh, uh, okay, yes. so he had this uh, thread on Twitter for those uh, members of the audience that aren't on Twitter. I'll, I'll explain a little bit of this. Um, but it was it was basically a defense of Joe Biden saying this isn't a big deal. But the worst part of this thread was this section of three or four tweets in which he literally was describing sex acts and said, well, he yes. hasn't done any of these sex acts. So how is this harassment? And I was like, my God, I have to explain to you that this is about power dynamics. Like, what are you posting? This is just insane to me. He was literally putting definitions of the vulva as his penis. Yeah. Like, (laughs) what? Like, okay, wait. Like, what? Okay, dude, we're we're adults. Okay, we should all know, like, what coitus means and crap. Okay, you don't need to put that. And you're also saying that unless somebody reaches out and grabs your vulva, that it's not inappropriate like which is just ridiculous to me because he's missing the entire point of of sexual harassment it's not about sex it's about power dynamics like and i'm going to keep saying this until people finally realize that this is about you know and it wouldn't surprise me if biden had utilized this sort of tactic 
with anybody that he felt he had power over. I mean, where are the photos of him sniffing Obama's hair or nuzzling his neck? Yeah. You know, because this is clearly this is somebody that's in power over him. So he's not going to pull that same sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? That sort of uh, in- interaction, because it, it would be unacceptable in, in, in those terms of power dynamics. Um, you know, the other thing that I see going on that I find really disturbing is uh, the slut shaming. Because I see a lot of this, yeah. a lot of the same group of women are the first to call another woman a slut or or pull out some photo of her in a bikini or something and say, well, look at you. What do you know? You're a slut. Which is, how can you call yourself a feminist if this is what you do? And how is this even relevant? Yeah. The, the entire point of being a feminist is to realize that women have agency. They have the ability to think for themselves, make their own decisions, make their own life choices, whatever those choices may be. That's feminism. It's not you calling another woman a slut because she made a choice that is based on your patriarchal view of the world. Because it is very patriarchal to think of women in terms of whores or saints. This is very patriarchal, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'd like to speak for myself. I'm a little of both, aren't we all? <laughs> We're human. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's incredibly offensive. It's, it is offensive. And I've, I've seen these this same group do it with, uh, you know, Melania Trump, which really bothers me because, look, there's a whole. I was just going to say that. There's so many things you can attack Melania Trump on. There are so many bad political takes, so many uh, bad decisions in regards to um, some of the choices she's made as first lady. Um, why are you pulling out some old modeling photos of her and calling her a, a slut? What, what is this gain? It makes, just makes you part of the problem because now you're upholding the same system that you pretend that you're not a part of, right? I'm a feminist. I'm not against, you know, patriarchal society, whatever, however they perceive themselves. And I don't understand why they don't see this as, as this is as being problematic on a certain level because it's so obviously hypocritical. Right. I mean, I'll keep it real. If I had her body, I would have posed for it, too. I mean, who gives a shit? Exactly. I mean, who cares? I don't care, right? I don't care. Like, Girl, if you want to get well, naked and play, are... boy, knock yourself out. Go for it. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. That's how I see it, too. You don't gotta um... look at it. I mean, if it offends you, don't look at it. Right, right. I mean, you know, one of the other things that's really just really frustrating is people saying well what about stormy daniels dude right okay a lot of presidents cheat on their wives that's right including bill Clinton. but anyway so why do i give a shit if a dude pays someone to have sex with him why do i care yeah. i don't give a crap yeah. That's all distraction. That is distractions. I don't care about Stormy Daniels. I don't either. Don't get yours, girl. You got money. You did your thing. I don't care. Yeah. Like, to bring that up and compare it to, you know, that was consensual. Mm-hmm. That was two people agreeing to do something. Right. And having an affair is something that happens every day, so don't act like, oh, my God, he's a bad person for that. He's a bad person for many reasons, but stop with the hypocrisy. 
Right. You know, and that's the other part of the equation. Why is it that the woman, the other woman is the one that gets blamed for the man's choice to cheat? So your husband cheats on you. Yes. And But this is this is the same part of the problem I have with Hillary Clinton and, and the choices that she made and still calls herself a feminist. She, she quite literally called... Uh, the victims of Bill's harassment, bimbo explosions. Are you kidding me with this? ...reported that as First Lady, Hillary led the effort to disparage her husband's woman accusers who were dismissed as bimbo eruptions. In November, she wrote on her Twitter page, she said, every survivor of sexual assault deserves to be heard, believed, and supported. That's interesting. I was never heard and supported and, and believed. She, she tried to basically derail me. Your yep. husband did something really shitty. His behavior was deplorable and it went unchecked. I have to use her word, deplorable, right? <laughs> but but, but, <laughs> but you attack the, the other woman as, as if she's the problem and he isn't. So how is that feminism? I still can't. I've, I've struggled with this for 25 years because I never understood it as a young girl when it happened. <laughs> And I don't understand it today as a 48-year-old woman. You know, I just, I look at that and I go, I don't understand how you rationalize that. Yeah, I mean, I went to the the first women's march, which, not the big one, but the one in Philly. And I saw, you know, I never went back to any of them because I saw what a sham they were. Um, But I, I saw so many women there wearing... Hillary buttons next to feminist buttons, and I was just—I was ready to be physically ill. I was like, "You are literally the biggest hypocrite in the mm-hmm. universe. You are. First of all, why are you calling things pussy hats and then getting <laughs> upset when the president says grab them by the pussy? Like, is that word offensive or is it not? Like, which?" I don't understand, but um, yeah, I never really got so much hypocrisy in that movement. Yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy. I never really got the hat, the pink pussy hat thing. Yeah, it's it's a it's a cat hat, right? It's a cat with two ears. So what? Right, it's weird. Right, but it's supposed to symbolize resistance. Well, you know what? It, It it's even worse the women who show up with vagina costumes, like that to me. It takes a lot to offend me, but I'm sorry. Like, there are women on stage sharing their experiences of being sexually assaulted, and they're looking out in the audience and, and there's seeing grown women dressed in vaginas. So weird. And, you know, they say, like, why do men treat us like we're just a vagina? Uh, you're kind of feeding into that. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It's just, I don't know. I just feel like there's so many levels of um, hypocrisy and layers. And I hate to say it, a lot of it tends to be the Pumas. It's the white feminists and and the way they perceive themselves as being the ultimate victim in a society in which they're not even close to being the ultimate victim. I mean, many of these white feminists are quite wealthy. And if you're wrong, what are the consequences? If you're wrong, if you're wrong, what are the consequences? So you're betting your house. I'm feeling hypotheticals. I think that's stupid. You're betting your house. What what evidence? Give me the name of the uh, newspaper you wrote this. People like me would not go for it. It's not a newspaper. I was came from a congressional investigator. By who? By which one? I'm not going to tell you. You want the report? 
If you want Name to report, it. You just I went on national television and said the guy went to a Muslim school. I went to not. Madrasa I said school. he went to a school in Indonesia and he was no, a registered Muslim. Uh, where do you have that evidence from? Would you like to see the report? I'll like be glad to, to email you. Tell us now. I already did. Congressional we, committee I already did. Maybe you can't hear. Should we clean your ears I, out? No, I want to know what congressional committee. We have we have on record with his name as a Muslim on his school record when in he got enrolled in Indonesia. We also have a court order right now. There's an injunction against the DNC right now Where did you that he is not qualified from? to be the president of the United States. You said you have an investigative report of Congress. I said which a, is a congressional, federal, a former congressional investigator. A former congressional right. investigator who's right. working for who? I'm not going to tell you that. I told you I would be happy to send you. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. You just heard from a point of view here. What do you make of that? What do I make of that? I'm a Catholic. Do you hate me? Can I not run for president? Yeah. Um, and they certainly have the yeah. privilege of being white, even if they are women. So I don't, I mean, I'm not saying, right. we have, I want equality. I'm not saying we, we, uh, we're, we're not there. We haven't even been able to ratify the ERA. But my beef is this. I want, like, as Nina Turner says, I want my whole damn dollar, number one. And I want to be able to work in an environment in which I don't get harassed by my male co-workers. And I would like my fellow women to stop calling each other's sluts and whores and bimbo explosions if they make life choices that you perceive as immoral based on either a religious or a patriarchal viewpoint. Because you're defeating the entire point a feminism when you do that we're not monolithic mm-hmm. we have agency we're individuals and we should be able to make those choices without being judged for them i don't think you know it's just this weird idea to me that if you're a bikini model you can't be a feminist well why right why? i why i mean and, and it's the same exact thing if you change woman to man they would be losing their shit. Oh my God. Yeah. If a man called a woman a slut or a whore, oh my freaking God. Yeah. But it's like that entitlement. I, I don't we know can what it say is. it because we're women. No, well, hell, screw honestly, that. I don't give a shit how many people you have sex with. Joy, it's not I've my seen, business. Yeah, Joy, I've actually seen, but I've actually seen some of these uh, Pumas defend men calling other women sluts. Believe it or not, in the same way, you, I'm shocked this week that you're talking about with some of these posts against Lucy Flores. I've seen it, and it just and I and I tell you, I've seen it way more often from Clinton supporters than I have any other group. Oh yeah, this is just Absolutely. reality. So, um, yeah, what a mess. So let's go back and talk about Anita Hill for a moment because I think for me this is a disqu- the, the, the the biggest disqualifying thing on Joe Biden in this particular arena was that he was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee at that time. So he had a lot of influence over the way those proceedings were conducted, the way they were handled, what he allowed, what he didn't allow. And if you go back and you see those hearings again, was it 25, 30 years almost on, it's appalling the way she's treated. Yes. And you look at who's on that committee and you look at the way they're behaving and a a big chunk of them are the Democratic men that are doing this. And certainly you cannot tell me that that entire thing was all about the Republicans. It wasn't. Right. So. Absolutely. So do you do you think that that's disqualifying? And do you think that this is something that maybe the media should be revisiting 25 years on? Because I'm wondering if a lot of the younger voters have any uh, understanding of how that was this really paramount turning point 
for sexual harassment in the country. Right. I mean, I I don't doubt that a lot of younger people don't know who Anita Hill is. Mm -hmm. Um, But being young women and watching this and just being absolutely horrified, um, and I think it made it even worse that she's a woman of color. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, which makes it twice as brave for her to come forward. I mean, I don't think people are really grasping how hard it must be to come out against someone who is in the public eye. That's right. It's, it's you know, I mean, I cannot fathom the, you know, the, the guts it took to come out and, you know, accuse someone of this. Mm-hmm. I cannot fathom. And because of Joe Biden, he blocked her four witnesses, Anita Hill's four witnesses, from coming out and testifying. Mm -hmm. That would have stopped Clarence Thomas, quite quite likely, Mm -hmm. um, and it would have set a huge precedent for, we will not tolerate this. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your status is or how much money you have. This is not acceptable. Right. And Biden stopped those witnesses from testifying. And, yeah. and you know, he asked us, like, what exactly was the most embarrassing part of this? <laughs> Who the times, hell yeah. asked that? I like, know. please relive it for, for my, you know, jollies. Just please describe it once more. Yeah, multiple I, times. And they had so the report. Disgusting. They could read it. Yeah, and there was the other gentleman, and I can't remember who he was, that li- com- literally asked her if she was a scorned woman, as if this had anything to fucking do with sexual harassment in yeah. the workplace. It's like, come on, are you kidding me with this? This is, like, unbelievable yeah. to me. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about his uh, – I, I can't even call it an apology video because he literally did not apologize. Uh, <laughs> no. Nope. So Joe Biden released a video, uh, I guess it was yesterday now, or was it today? I forget. Uh, but you, you watched, it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you watched the video and he's basically saying that social norms have changed and so that he'll do better about not crossing personal spaces going forward. That kind of sums it up, I think. And I watched that and I'm like, dude, social norms. This wasn't acceptable 25 years ago. That's the problem is the fact that you folks thought that it was. It was never acceptable. Um, and for Pete's sake, why can't you just apologize? Why are you, why are you saying that, that we've I'll do better with personal space, but it's because the social norms have changed? This is like not a good look. What did you think? Yeah, I I think it was absolutely pathetic. Um, a week ago, he came out, and uh, it was a few days before Lucy uh, Flores came out. About a week ago, he came out and addressed the Anita Hill thing and gave no apology whatsoever. Um, he stated, I wish I could have done more. He could have done more. I, I was just, yeah. He never said and he never took a single ounce of responsibility for anything that happened. Um, Anita Hill responded like, you know, statute of limitations is over for an, uh, an apology. Right. Uh, you know, I'm done. Right. And, you know, God, what a strong woman. And yeah. 
Then the video came out today. He also didn't use the word sorry or apologize. As you said, he did the um, social norms have changed. No, dude, it's not okay to sniff women and, like... Yeah, the hair sniffing I mean, thing's a little weird, so I have to be gross. honest. It is. It's 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 weird, the hair sniffing thing. It's, like, every time I see that stuff, That's I'm like, the most disturbing part, yeah. honestly. Like, yeah. that is so... It gives me goosebumps. And where's Obama on this? Why isn't he defending his boy? He's probably not okay with it. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Good point. I haven't seen him say anything... Um, I think he's he's gonna be, you know he's kind of screwed either way because yeah. he defends him and feminists you know real feminists go batshit crazy, <laughs> exactly. or he comes at him and the faux feminists go batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a no-win situation, I guess. <sighs> I mean, I think in one way, it's good that we're finally having this conversation. It, but it does, I have to be honest with you, it does baffle my mind that 25 years have passed since Anita Hill, almost 30, I guess. And we're still having the same damn conversations. Literally nothing's improved in this arena. And really, I think what we have to right. come to terms with is, is it's because the enablers on the left, they have enabled this stuff. They say they're for women's rights, but time and time again, they've proven they're willing to uh, politicize um, sexual harassment they're willing to talk about it in terms of sexuality as opposed to power dynamics which is what it's really about and um deny women individual agency and it's until we until we get to the heart of that as as it being a cultural problem across the board where it's it's happening on both the right and the left and, and we just have to just as a society decide that this is not the society we want to be it's not going to improve and you know I, I was also happy, though, to see that there were some Republican women uh, that agree with you and I that were, uh, you know, sort of defending. Yeah. Yeah. So that was refreshing. It wasn't I would like to believe and I, you know, I'm not sure that that is the case, but I would like to believe that it wasn't a political motive for but that they actually do see the problem as being a problem. And, you know, let's be honest, Republican women have have absolutely endured sexual harassment in the workplace and um, in other places. Sure. We're not. We're not, you know, we don't have exclusively as leftist women. Uh, so, and you know, maybe, you know, obviously there's always a chunk of, of right-wingers that sort of buy into that patriarchal thing because that's their stick. I mean, so not going to talk about that. We already, you know, we're assuming that those folks aren't included in the conversation. But I do think there are some more forward-looking Republican women that maybe are conservatives simply because, uh, not not for social reasons, but for uh, financial ones that could uh, see the problem and right. want to fix it as well. So it was it was a weird week. <laughs> not how I saw it going down, like, uh, you know, at the beginning of the week, the way it played out. Definitely some, some, you know, interesting dynamics, because you are seeing some Republican women, you know, having these accusers back. And I... I think some of it may be because they see Biden as a threat and they hate him. I can acknowledge that. But I think some of them are also like just kind of see how they're being attacked. I posted um, when I guess it was like a day after all this stuff got exposed. I posted something I went through at my, you know, my most recent job and 
you know, I just said, you know, how like hard it was for me to deal with it, even though there was no like physical contact involved. And the purpose of me talking about it was because it was someone I worked with, but this person was not famous mm-hmm. and I still didn't have the guts to say anything. So that was the purpose of sharing. He thankfully he got fired, but um, right. you know I wanted to share that like this isn't you know we go through this whole thing where it's like I must have flirted unconsciously and right. I must have done something to lead him to believe this is okay and what mm-hmm. did I do and mm-hmm. maybe I'm just being conceited and he doesn't even find me attractive and right. you go through all these stages of like what what did I do? Um, so I was kind of trying to describe that. And this woman comes in my comment section and says, Bernie Brat. That's what it comes Are down to. Like, that's all she got from that's everything is just sad. Bernie Brat. That's just sad. I, <laughs> I can't understand this. That's just sad. You know, here's the other thing. Uh, <laughs> the other, the, the unfortunate reality is is the reason women don't come forward is because of what we're discussing right now when they do they face retaliation uh, not just by the men that maybe um, they're accusing but also by like this woman that's calling you a bernie brat why would she do this this is now um you know it is a form of victim blaming in my opinion and it's unacceptable. Sure, absolutely. It's unacceptable. I just, this is why women don't come forward. I mean, you know, and then they'll say things like, well, why would you bring it up five years later? I'm like, you know, I hear that. And I kind of go, are you kidding me, man? I, you know, I had a situation that I'm thinking of at the top of my head that I've never really discussed where, um, hell, I'll just tell the story, I guess, on, um, now that we're having girl talk. I, you know, I was on a set sleeping in the green room. I'll just make this brief. And the director thought I was asleep, but I, I was awake. But he literally pulled his pants down and started masturbating over my head. Um, and I so I just pretended oh to God. sleep. I was petrified. Yeah, I was fucking, you know, I was like 22 at the time or something. And it was petrifying. So he he finished, went, walked over to the desk, grabbed a Kleenex, uh, came back and wiped my hair. <laughs> That's so gross. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, walked out of the room. You know, I never did anything with that. I didn't tell anyone. Who was I going to tell? The, you know, the producer, my uh-huh. agent? Like, no. I mean, it's just something that happened. And uh, so I, so for me, as a woman, and maybe if maybe men don't understand this, but I can see very easily why women don't come forward and talk about stuff. Because there's a trade-off to be made, and it's usually a trade-off in which you have nothing to gain but a lot to lose. Yeah, absolutely. So, wow. So, yeah, for me, I hear that. Yeah, stuff, and I'm that's... like, yeah, no, why? Why Why is that so hard for you to understand? Look how you're behaving right now to Lucy Flores. Look how you're talking about her. You're accusing her of, of being a political plant. You're accusing her of being a slut and a liar. You're you're dragging her through the muck. What What does she possibly... Right. You know, so, yeah, it's very easy to understand why women don't come forward and... It's unfortunate that, again, we're still in, what, 2019, almost 2020, going into this election cycle, and it's still a major problem. It really is. And, you know, the thought that this is all happening, you know, um, 
is and and that they're involving you know another candidate who has mm-hmm. nothing to do with it has brought back some you know those memories of you know when when we have you know those those women you know posting on Twitter that they were going to put ads on Craigslist to say that Bernie touched them oh and stuff like that. That's just you, so gross. You, I did not see that. That's fucking I gross. I still have all the screenshots. Wait, so wait, hang on. Like, so they were looking they, for women to lie about being harassed by Bernie? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Jesus. No, really? no, I have the screenshots. There's even an article about it. Wow. They're all Hillary supporters. Wow. And... They were saying it would only take eight women to come forward and say it made them uncomfortable when he put his hand, his arms around their waist for a photo wow. and wow. he'd have to drop out of the out of the race. And then a woman commented, bitch, I'll find 20. Are you and then me? the other, uh, oh no. And then another one jumped in and said, do you have the number to call? And then another woman jumped in and said, wow. I'm going to put an ad on Craigslist. And it was just this huge, wow. huge thing. Wow. And I mean, I still have all the screenshots and, you know, to, to sit there and be like, oh, Bernie's behind this. I'm like, dude, you guys are the ones who said you were going to come up with something that was totally false to mm-hmm. try and get him to drop out. Like to me that there is no bigger injustice to women who have been assaulted and felt violated than to make something up and to make it up for personal gain. Right. That is so abhorrent. And I yeah, I mean, they were laughing about it. That's just gross. That's just gross. I had missed it's- that. Wow. It is. <sighs> yeah, America, it, we have a problem. My, <laughs> my fear, I honest, I swear to you, my fear about him running again was, oh, God, I hope he runs again. But I kept replaying those screenshots over and over in my head. And it just freaked me out so bad because... I was like, oh, my God, like, this can happen. It only takes one person to make something up and go online, and it's already shared a million times, and it's it's done. Like, all of his, his work and credibility is, is done. Um, and then, you know, Bernie was on The Breakfast Club the, the day after he announced, and he was like, you know, this is one of the hardest decisions my family and I have ever had to make whether I should run again, because I know what happened last time. I know how unkind the press was and things like that. And then, and it made me cry when, when I saw him say that. Uh, but, um, you know, what can I say? I was going to ask about that as well. You know, when you ran last, last time, a lot of the people that followed you and rode for you rode with you to the end. Like, they would not. They they would rather not vote than to vote for Hillary. Yeah, they weren't going from Bernie to Hillary. They weren't going from Bernie to Hillary, and and that's part of the reason why I think that you know Donald Trump was in. How do we make sure that that regardless of what happens, that the Democratic Party is united? Good, good question. So let me say what I think I said a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything I can to be the Democratic nominee. I think I am the strongest candidate to defeat Trump. I think I can win in states that Secretary Clinton lost. 
Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, etc. What I pledge to you, and what I've said already, is that if I am not the nominee, I will do everything I can, as I did when Secretary Clinton was the candidate. I knocked my brains out. I I resent a little bit some of the criticism that comes of me. You know, I ran all over this country. I think we did 35 rallies in, I don't know, 13, 14 states to get her elected. Now, your point is, well, some Bernie supporters did not vote for Hillary. True. Mm -hmm. But that always happens. Think back in 2008 when Obama ran against Clinton in the primary. Okay. A far greater number of people uh, who voted for Clinton ended up voting for John McCain. Okay. And did not vote for Obama. than was the case in my race. So it always happens, you know, that some people are going to flake off. Uh, but I did my best to say, we got to do everything we can not to elect this guy, Donald Trump. Uh, and, you know, getting back to Trump for a moment. And now here we are a month later and they're trying to say that he like instigated some sexual assault conspiracy. It's just so gross. Not the man who wants to give us health care. Right. Uh, well, like, because they're, you know, you're right, but that's exactly it. They're more afraid of progressives than they are Republicans. And by publicly saying or even considering doing such a thing, you you're harming actual victims because. They're now all these folks that say women lie all the time are, are going to be like, look, see, here you have women saying they'll conspire and, and lie and say they hurt, they were oh. assaulted when they weren't. Absolutely. So, damn. I think I, I think they just, it's cognitive dissonance. I, I think they either are unaware or they won't acknowledge that that's actually what they're doing. And the irony is they're doing all of this to get the first woman president. Yeah, that is the irony. That's the irony. That's the irony. That is the ultimate irony. It's like, wow. But, I mean, they're they're obviously the epitome of women who literally hate you just because you have a penis. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, there's some misandry. Like, you don't have to do anything. That's true. I've I've seen some misandry going on, too, because I don't. And here's the thing. Me wanting equality doesn't require me hating men. Like, why do I have to hate men to get equality? So I think, uh, you know, exactly. again, I think a lot of it's just psychology. I think a lot of the times you have conversation with these ladies and they've been in uh, either unhealthy relationships, maybe maybe abusive relationships, et cetera. So I have a um, little bit of empathy towards that. But at the same time, that's uh, this movement isn't about fixing the psychology of the individuals. It's about gaining um, equality for all women uh, and having that enshrined in law through the ERA, et cetera. So it's just, there's many layers here, um, many layers. So I wanted, the other thing that's going on that I wanted to talk with you about is Andrew Yang. Um, so, you know, I've been a supporter of Andrew in the past couple of months because I liked when he first announced, I liked the speeches and the, that he gave in Iowa at the democratic uh, clubs there. They were on YouTube and I liked that he was talking about UBI because I think UBI is something we should be discussing. This is something that dates back to um, even MLK talked about it. So it's been around a long time. And I was like, a great deal that the society can and must do if the Negro is to gain the economic security that he needs. Now, one of the answers, it seems to me, is a guaranteed uh, annual income, a guaranteed minimum income for 
all people and for all families of our country. It seems to me... It seems to me that the civil rights movement must now begin to organize for the guaranteed annual income, begin to organize people all over our country and mobilize forces so that we can bring to the attention of our nation this need and this something which I believe will go a long, long way toward dealing with the Negro's economic problem and the economic problem with many other poor people confronting our nation. And I was glad to see a presidential campaign willing to talk about it. But now flash forward to this past uh, week and a half, um, and you now have this weird alt-right thing going on um, with Andrew. So he's now the darling of 4chan. He's been endorsed by Richard Spencer, the ultimate coat-and-tie Nazi, uh, there are posts all over Stormfront, which is just shocking to me. I, I, what is going on here? Because this, I mean, I can understand on, okay, on a, let me let me digress. I can understand on a certain level why the alt-right would embrace UBI, because these are folks that are, you know, they're, they're pretty much, I'm, I'm going to be very uncharitable right now, so please forgive me. These are folks that are pretty much unemployable, <laughs> let's be honest. So this idea that they're going to get... <laughs> So, you know, they use this hashtag secure the bag. So the idea that they're going to get the freedom, Devin, and the 1200 k a year for doing nothing is very appealing to them. Okay, so so putting that aside, though, how is a suit and tie Nazi? I mean, Richard Spencer is no joke a Nazi. This is a guy that absolutely believes in white supremacy. Um, he has that think tank that was responsible for Heilgate, uh, where everybody was like, Heil. Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory! No one will honor us for losing gracefully. No one mourns the great crimes committed against us. For us, it is conquer or die. The mainstream media... Or perhaps we should refer to them in the original German, Lugenpresse. It's not just that they are leftist and cucks. It's not just that many are genuinely stupid. Indeed, one wonders if these people are people at all. Or instead, soulless golems animated by some dark power to repeat whatever talking point John Oliver stated the night before. <laughs> to be white is to be a striver, a crusader, an explorer, and a conqueror. We build, we produce, we go upward. And we recognize the central lie of American race relations. We don't exploit other groups. We... We don't gain anything from their presence. They need us and not the other way around. Within the very blood in our veins as children of the sun lies the potential for greatness. That is the great struggle we are called to. We are not meant to live in shame and weakness and disgrace. 
We were not meant to beg for moral validation from some of the most despicable creatures to ever populate the planet. We were meant to overcome, overcome all of it, because that is natural and normal for us. And he was talking about children of the sun, you know, blood and soil. Like uh, he had his, uh, he was uh, related to the group that was in Charlottesville. So, so we're not talking about right. This isn't hyperbola when I say he's a Nazi. He's he's legitimately a Nazi. So how is it that a Nazi is endorsing an Asian leftist for president? And that's the first part. And the second part is why isn't Andrew speaking out against it? Because it seems to me that he's almost encouraging it with his Yang Gang hashtag, where these 4chan chan folks are posting all these memes, these anti-Jewish memes, etc. What the hell's going on here, Joy? I'm baffled by this. Yeah, I mean, it, you and I are in a few of the same threads, and it's just absolutely astounding. Yeah. Um, the people who are interested in Yang or support Yang, totally fine. You can discuss things with them. Those who have I've run into with the Yang Gang hashtag are the ones I've interacted with are nuts. Yeah. Like, they have... I've. You know, I've posted about Bernie and had them put Yang Gang um, memes in my comment sections about taking the money back the Jews stole. Yeah, I saw that. And and anti-Semitic things. I've had them put memes of decapitating Bernie's head. Right. Um, memes with, like, guns pointed at the person, like, directly at you, whoever's looking at it. Right. Um, there was the one guy in the thread, I don't know if you saw it, but the one guy in the thread we're in, he said Andrew Yang's um, uh, campaign brings everyone together. It's quite beautiful, really. And then he posts a meme of someone hailing Hitler. I like, just, I, wow. Yeah. No, yeah, these are legitimate. Yeah, but so Stormfront is, is, is a legitimate Nazi site. Stormfront is... <laughs> As and Andrew England's another one. I didn't mention him earlier. Andrew England has been hinting at supporting Andrew Yang as well. Um, and for the listeners that don't know Andrew England, he is the guy that is living abroad now. He left the country, but he, he had the the site that was so horrifically white supremacist that Google would not host it anymore. And he went through a series of right, yeah. So um, Andrew England's no joke either. So we're talking at Richard Spencer, Andrew England. These guys are, uh, you know, four chan. These are legitimate stormfront. These are legitimate Nazi sites. This is not hyperbola. And I'm having a real problem with Andrew not clapping back against this stuff. This bothers me. I have to be right. Honest. And and when he was asked about it in a magazine, which I have screenshots of, I've shared with you as well, but yeah. just so your listeners know, I do have receipts. When he was asked about this, this alt-right following and, and how he feels about it, he literally said, I think it's so funny. It makes me wish I could just jump up and down. Yeah, that was really a weird response. When I read that, I was like, hmm. You know, and I, Andrew and I follow each other on Twitter. So I did, I, as you know, I did tweet him asking him, what are you doing? I've been a supporter of your platform, but this is absolutely unacceptable. You need to say something. 
which of course I got no response to, you know, and on a certain level, this is the ultimate campaign nightmare. He, I mean, is Richard Spencer going to switch parties and register as a Democrat now to vote in the primary? There's no, this, this is so toxic that whatever votes he thinks he's gaining in these people that are pissed off at Trump for whatever reason, who knows? They're just, you're right. They're crazy. Uh, you, you've completely alienated the folks that you really need to be making your appeal to. And, you know, a lot of his tweets are very bothersome to me. Um, he has inadvertently referred to himself as, as white. white. So yeah, I saw that. that was I weird. know, you know, yeah, people, you know, which I don't care about, but, you know, people have said, well, People, you know, he can't be racist because he's Asian or, you know, well, he doesn't, you know, he's kind of alluded to the fact he considers himself white. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so, you know, some of his posts have really just not sat well with me. He's made posts that specifically say white people are dying more frequently and white people and stuff like why do you need to say white people in a post and why do you need to say it twice and why are you sharing yeah and why are you sharing an article that only addresses white people like then he made the comment on twitter um he posted they're taking our land from us and and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Are you Native American? Who's whose land whose who's land, land is it? Yeah, um, exactly. That was upsetting. <laughs> yeah. And these let, then, let me be clarified, these are all in the last month. So these are all recent posts. And I'm wondering if this is oh, his yeah. campaign manager that's running his Twitter feed posting this stuff. I don't know. It that's why I'm saying it feels to me as if he is leaning in to these alt-righters. Like, he doesn't entirely want to lose their support or their votes. But this is a very dangerous game Absolutely. In my opinion. I, I, yeah, it's a very dangerous game. Absolutely. The, the name Freedom Dividend, that sounds Trump. I'm sorry. Yes. That shit sounds Trump. I hadn't really thought Freedom about that. Freedom yeah. Dividend. Yeah. That, I mean, come on. Progressive term. That, that's that, Trump. Yeah. He's added some anti-immigrant language to his site, too, that wasn't there originally a few months ago, I noticed. So, again, that seems like he's leading Yes, and it says, the title of his immigration page says, you want to stay? Work for it. That, those words together, that you are trying to get Trump voters, don't deny it. You are. Whether he really believes those things, I hope not. I don't know. But he's projecting that he does. So not only is he not condemning, you know, such following and and such, you know, memes and things like that, he's also just kind of encouraging it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree, Joy. And it's very disappointing for me to witness this because I was very excited about having somebody talk about UBI. I thought, wow, this is a conversation that we should be having. You know, and here I should mention this too. I think part of this platform has sort of pushed over to this idea that UBI replaces social wealth current social welfare programs, which originally was not the case. So uh, I think doing that's also a a, a deal breaker, in my opinion, for a host of reasons. Um, But I feel like that also. He 
he refused to acknowledge that at first. And thankfully, you know, a lot of us, you know, who are educated on UBI and stuff were saying, I was... and I, the, the thing about the, the, um, UBI is it absolutely in no way, shape or form will work without a job guarantee. It yeah, I think won't. I okay. So, Drew, let's talk about that for a second because I don't disagree with you. I don't understand these folks saying it's one or the other because I don't think it is at all. I think it's um, something that happens together. I think it's uh, these are both coherent plans that need to be that could be enacted together and would be very beneficial um, at dealing with income inequality. Why is it that some folks, well, because I guess now that I'm thinking through, maybe they do have this other mar- uh, motive where they want to get rid of social programs, ergo, no jobs guaranteed. Maybe that's the um, motivating factor. I don't know. I think a lot of people it, it just say, just think of it as, I don't care about a federal job guarantee. I'm not going to have to work. But, which is ridiculous, Joy, when you think about it, because $12,000 a year, you can't live off of that. You can't even pay rent on that. Nope. So it's not. Unless UBI you're isn't a college meant, kid or. Right. It's not meant to replace your like, job. It's meant to deal, deal a blow to income inequality. That's the, I mean, that's why MLK supported right. it. So, but yeah, these, there's all these uh, various uh, versions coming out now that I think are being supported by like Richard Branson. Um, and some of these other bazillionaires, and they see it as as a way to be more efficient about uh, getting rid of social welfare programs. I think that's definitely true. Well, I, you know, the interesting thing is, like, when I'm looking at people's comments, like in the one thread we're in, yeah, you know, the the one young, uh, he's got to be early twenties by his picture, the one guy who's in that thread, he says, I pay 500 for rent, 200 for my car. Dude, that's the problem. What? That's why you want $1,000. You Where don't want to work. My mortgage. Yeah, right? That's but, wild. Yeah. My mortgage is not. Yeah, neither no. is mine. <laughs> like any... I don't know where the hell he lives, but, I don't either, but yeah, I couldn't pay my mortgage on is not going to do shit. Exactly. Girl, that's crazy. What's 500. that? No, you're right. That's crazy. 500 bucks. I mean, my mortgage wouldn't even be covered by 12K or let alone food and anything else. Yeah. So that's just. A- no. Wild. So I think those are mm-hmm. a chunk of his supporters. Yeah. People who don't, you know, need that much money. Yeah, they don't need that much money and they're too busy making memes in their mom's basement on 4chan. So this is like for them when they say secure the bag, they're like, "Woohoo, I get to play Gold video mine. games." And yeah, right. It's kind of sad, really, but watery. Right, but who's going to hire a Nazi? I mean, like, I mean, when you really think when you really drill down on that, and you start thinking about it. These folks have very much uh made themselves unemployable, which is why they don't want to be doxxed or exposed or whatever, you know, because who wants to hire a Nazi? But, you know, Richard Spencer, what is he? Andrew England, what are these guys going to do for a living other than what they've resigned yeah. themselves to be at this point? Nobody's going to hire Richard Spencer. No company would want to be uh, associated with that. It would be very tarnishing right. to their brand, you know? So, um, so I guess on that level, it makes sense. But I still have, I still struggle a little bit with the fact that he's an Asian gentleman which is means he's not white. So Richard Spencer, like, how is he justifying his white supremacy 
by like it's sort of um if the irony doesn't doesn't escape me when he says he's the most qualified person that's going this has run for president in decades which he made some sort of claim like this and it kind of makes you go hmm. well i think well richard doesn't that just prove to you I that think- like white people are always the smartest ones in the room <laughs> do you know what i'm saying <laughs> i think it's partly yeah i mean it, it's partly that andrew was born and raised in america I think that's part of it. Um, he doesn't have an accent or anything like that. Um, I think it's, it's, I'm glad he's going to be on the debate stage. I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I was on the humanist report two weeks ago and Mike told me that, um, Andrew Yang canceled his appearance to go on Ben Shapiro. Oh, so um, maybe the clapback is coming and he's rethinking that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just can't. I, yeah, I don't know. But I, it's wild. You know, he's, it, it really is. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think it is feasible that he would win the presidency? Andrew Yang, no. I do not. Yeah, I don't either. But. I do think he will get a fair number of votes. I really do. Well, yeah, which, look, before these past three weeks, he's somebody that I was uh, been following. I would have taken him over Kamala Harris, I'll tell you that right now, because until he started leaning into some of this alt-right stuff, because he really was at the beginning supporting some progressive policies. He supports Medicare for all. Like, he talks, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know if that was just He's also sort against of, free college. He did what? Is he against? Yeah, I thought he was for it. Oh yeah, no. Unless he was, and he just updated his website because he's definitely not. Really wouldn't surprise me at this point. Like I can't, I, <laughs> I can't keep track of where he is now. Like he's, he's not the person that I originally thought he was. Let's put it that way. So the whole thing has been very wild for me, and and the, the only, the only. I think. Go ahead. I, I personally would never vote for someone who has no political experience. Um, I think, you know, it's, a, it's, fair. it's interesting to see the the Democrats, you know, say Trump has no political experience. He's just a businessman. And yet Yang 2020, I mean, that's kind of hypocritical yeah, it's very because yeah. he doesn't. He also wants a minimum of four million dollars a year as president. So, which so you want sixteen million dollars for four years? Like, why are you? First of all, you're already a millionaire. So why do you need it? Yeah, that's is Second that on his all, website now too? That didn't used to be there. So he thinks the pay that's in a in, that's in a few articles and an interview. <laughs> Oh, Andrew, you're canceled. I mean, why are you even talking about how much you want to get paid? I do not think the president of the United States should be paid $16 million. That's asinine. You're a public servant. If you, I mean, you're right. Most of these guys are already millionaires as it is. I mean, is he trying to make the case that you'll get a higher quality candidate? Because I don't believe that that's even remotely true. Most folks that run... I'm, I'm going to digress philosophical for a second. The reason philosopher kings, a la uh, Plato in the Republic, the reason philosopher kings make such good rulers is because they don't want to be rulers. They're not um, seduced by the idea of power, authority, and money, right? That's that's not what motivates them. 
And the unfortunate reality, though, is is most folks that run for president are. I'd say Bernie is the exception to that rule. But most folks that run for president are seduced by power. That's why they're there. That's why that they're feeding their egos, you know? Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. Anyway, the whole thing was uh, very wild. Uh, so what else is going on this week? Um uh, the the quote from Pete Booty. Uh, I know I say his name wrong. Booty. I've heard it pronounced in a Booty silly Jake. way. I can't even say it now. What Booty did he? Um, <laughs> I know, right? Damn it. I can't. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> damn it! We're not good freaking journalists. Oh, um, <laughs> right. Booty gig. I don't know. Booty gig. He, um. <laughs> It's booty something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Booty guy. Um, <laughs> he, um, he came out today with some, I mean, some of the shit he says is just bananas. Um, he, you know, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's on my Twitter page. Um, he was saying something like, I don't understand the whole thing about free college. And, you know, it was yeah, just very that, privileged. Yeah. yeah. It was so privileged and he's it like, was so stupid why, actually you know, because he's missing the point. The point of free college is it allows access to everybody, including poor people, whereas it is now that's not the case. So for him to for him right. to assume that it'll be it'll still be in a small number of elite individuals getting a college degree is just a stupid fucking assumption. The point of having college for all, public education for all, is that you do increase the amount of folks that are able to attend college. That's the point. So, no, it's not the poor people supporting the few wealthy elites going to college. It's just like, yeah, when I read that, I was like, wow, that is some really poor logic. <laughs> but again, yeah, these, people, these are elitists trying to just people protect are in the, the comments well. like, uh, I'm not voting for you anymore. Yeah, that was just a dumb <laughs> thing was, to say. I mean, you're supposed to be the smart one, you know, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's impressive to speak all these languages and stuff. I'm not going to lie. That's awesome. But it doesn't mean you're a good president. It doesn't mean concept of economic reality. And, right. you know, I mean, and then he was saying that um, he had these posts saying, you know, um, I didn't go um, go over to defend my country so I can have all them come over and start killing people. Or something like that. And it was just really jacked up. It was basically it's essentially saying that only you know, that brown people's lives were lesser. Um, that he worded it. So the the comments were just, I mean, he was getting destroyed Rightfully in so. the comments. Rightfully so. I just Yeah, it was it was bad. Entirely tone deaf. Yeah, so I, I have to wonder, though, like, how many of these accounts are run by staff where later the candidate is like, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just like, Absolutely. Uh, so who do you... Um, no, speaking of that. Yeah. You know, freaking Peter Dow. I got to give props. I got to give props to Dow. Yeah, props. Can we, let's talk about Peter Dow for a second. Okay, so for our listeners um, who don't know Peter Dow, he was a Hillary Clinton uh, campaign staff 
who for a very long time was just a died in the old Clintonite, like scary Clintonite. Um, and I think he had like, oh God, I want to say half of Twitter blocked. I was blocked by him. His block list was longer than Tolstoy's War and Peace. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> now we have what, I'm, what I call, in fact, he liked Hell Froze Over. He liked my tweet. I was like, wow, this is wild. Um, I call him woke Peter Dow now because at first I didn't trust it. He unblocked me. And so I started seeing his stuff showing up in my TL and I was like, whoa, Peter Dow unblocked me. And then I start reading some of the things he's saying. And then he did this full mea culpa where he was like, you know, I apologize for that. I really am a progressive and this was wrong. And like, so, and I still didn't quite trust him, but now this has been going on for months where we have woke Peter Dow yeah. saying really good stuff. Um, and he, he got down and dirty with the folks yelling at Lucy Flores this week. So I'm imagining that's yeah. why you're thinking about him. Yeah. I mean, it's been, I, I was very weary at first. I <laughs> just like you and everybody else were like, come on. Cause he started making posts a few months ago about like Bernie should be given a chance just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I welcome him if he joins the race and like, all this stuff, and I was like, you've got to be sarcastic. He does not mean this. He's trying to trigger us. What's right. going on? And then right. he made another post kind of like that. And then, you know, he's like, he's been making posts about how, you know, the the Hillary fans have been attacking him, and he's saying, why are Bernie supporters nicer to me <laughs> when I've, you know... I have a past with them when the Clinton supporters are attacking me. That's right. I mean, that's right. now he knows how it feels. That's legit. <laughs> it's legit, right? That's I think, pretty awesome to hear him say that we're nicer. Yeah, I think it's authentic too. Like, I know some folks still don't trust him, but I do think he's coming from an authentic place. So I'm going to have to give him props this week as well. I thought. Um, yeah, it's wild. We've had a wild week. Uh, I, I didn't trust him. <laughs> I think since he's coming out and speaking up to Clinton supporters, I think that solidifies that he is becoming aware. Right, exactly. I think if he was just patronizing, you know, to us, it'd be a different story. Exactly. But he is coming at them and saying, he look, is. you guys are being ugly to me. Yep. And yeah, you know, and so it's like when I read that, I'm like, Peter, that's what we've been saying all along, that these this group of folks is far more uglier than any other political aff affiliated group out there. This is just a fact of the matter. They're worse than the Trump supporters in many ways. Um, it's unfortunate. But it's, oh, yeah. know, they're very ugly. They I mean, God, I've been called a cunt so many times by by some of these folks that it's like it, it became at one point like, oh, yeah, somebody called me a cunt again. OK. You know what I'm saying? Which is asinine when you think about it. These are, yeah. So anyway, woke Peter Dow is like, I think it's a good thing. And I think, I do think it's authentic. And I, um, I think people should give him a chance. Yeah. I think we, as a movement, as much as, as he's hurt us and, and he's infuriated us, I think as a movement, we have to take, you know, Bernie's, um, you know, the way Bernie feels on this as well, and just be welcoming. Yeah. Like, we have to welcome, you know, people who voted for Trump and people who supported Clinton. We have to. Yeah. We if, need to 
I mean, we just have to. First, we won't win without it. But on a more, you know, genuine level, like, we should be happy that they've come around. I agree. Isn't that the point? The point is is, is convincing yeah. folks that don't necessarily agree with us to see the light of day and realize that the plutonomy is in charge and we need to do something about it. So when, when that happens, I, yeah, I'm going to welcome them. You know, and I think... Um, I think you're right on that. We have to expand our our base. We have to reach out and do our best. I mean, there are there are Trump supporters I think that have come around. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and there is a difference between Trump voter and Trump supporter. Yeah. So that's okay, why I don't enough. do the whole yeah. like right, right. Okay. Trump tard and like, you know, stuff like that because you know, Bernie proved it when he do, did two town halls in mm-hmm. Trump country. Yeah. The the reaction was amazing. Yeah, I agree. These are people who were hurting. It's really that simple. Yeah. Now, the Trump supporters who different. are still there, yeah, no. That's different that's a no, different totally, story. Yeah, but I the agree. ones who voted for him, they're still, you know... There were people who, you know, you you have two candidates and one of them came to talk to you about saving your job and helping your family. And one of them couldn't be bothered. That's right. You're in a desperate situation. What are you going to do? That's right. I mean, I mean why, the, the worst you got to think about it. I agree. Joy, the worst campaign move that they made, and I'll say this over and over again, was Clinton not going back and campaigning in swing state that she lost her own primary in. How, that is hubris. That is some serious fucking hubris. It's baffling to me. Uh, So who do you have coming up um, as guest on your show this week? Um, Mike from Humanist Report is coming back um, next week because I just can't get enough of him. So he came on my my show. I went on his show. And now he's coming back. Excellent. Like, uh, I just... Love him. Yeah, no, but, but um, I had him on the podcast. He's great. Oh, I just did. God, I adore him. Yeah, I crush on him. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> but anyway, Total it's, for, it's pretty obvious, but he's gay and I'm married. So, yeah, um, yeah. he's nice to, <laughs> no, he's he's nice smart. to swoon over. He's a smart kid, too. You know, yeah, I, was, I, uh, I how I first was introduced to his show, actually, funny enough, was he did a segment on one of my tweets where I had gotten into an argument with Kathy Griffin over third party voters. Um, so somebody oh. sent, yeah, somebody sent me the link and I was like, Oh, this is hilarious, but it was so spot on. So I was like, this is like so spot on. You're awesome. <laughs> You're my people. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then we uh, connected um, so give everybody, I want everybody able to, um, watch your show, see your show, follow you on Twitter. Um, so give us a rundown. I know your show, you record live on, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday nights, right? Am I I'm trying, No, Monday. Sorry. Um, it's actually kind of all over the place. Um, oh, okay. since I got back, I was on medical hiatus for a little, um, so I was doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, for like a year. And now it's just kind of like whenever people can schedule. Okay. Um, so it's kind of, I do post a few days in advance though. So I do give people heads up. Okay. Um, and I do also cover events and 
I go live to rant a lot, um, which is <laughs> unscheduled. <laughs> but when you're you feeling can it, follow me at what's that? When you're feeling it. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is usually about every day. Uh, <laughs> but because I'll tell my team, I'm like, all right. I'm going to go live for about 15 minutes. I'm going to do a rant and they'll be like, okay, so an hour. Yeah, probably an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you can follow me at uh, joy Marie uh, Savage joy Marie one. Um, And uh, our website is real progressives.usa. And on Facebook is where we stream live. Um, if you go to Real Progressive, um, on YouTube, um, I've already done over 300 episodes. So they're all on YouTube. They are a video podcast. Okay. Um, oh, I have okay. back episodes. Like, yeah. um, I've had Alexandria, um, Rokana three times, Tim Canova three times, um, a lot of cool people. I've had Ron Placone three times, uh, Graham Elwood a few times. Um, so I kind of mix it up with, uh, you know, people in office and comedians and, and that kind of fun stuff. Right on. 